I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. So I welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. First and foremost, I have with me Amy Pecoraro. She is a mother, a wife, uh, mother of three, actually, right? Whose youngest yeah. son, I must say, I must brag, cut this awesome backflip at their graduation and kept his hat on <laughs> the entire time. On. My heart only palpitated for three seconds, and then I was, and my face dropped off. And then I was just thankful that he was able to graduate from high school. <laughs> so, Amy, could you tell our listeners or introduce yourself to our listeners and also include in that your background with the game of basketball? <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so my name is Amy Pecoraro. Thank you so much for having me on, Myson. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Um, and... I will introduce myself. So I am all the things that you said. I am a, a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I've been married for 22 years. We just celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary at the end of May. Uh, I have three amazing kids that um, are part of my why. It's important to have a why when you're really with anything, but it, it seems like especially when you're a small business owner to keep you motivated. And so my three kids um, are a huge part of why I do what I do every day. Um, and I will tell you their names. Gabriel is my 20 year old and he's gonna be a junior at Furman University. He is a musician. He uh, can play a pretty mean jazz guitar and anything else. Um, and then Luke is my 18 year old and um, he's not 18 yet. He'll be 18 in July. Um, he is the one that did the flip and almost passed out, but he landed it and that's all that mattered. At that point, that was all we cared about. Um, and he's going to be attending Anderson University here in South Carolina in the fall. Yeah, that's right. You're a, you're a AU. Is it Trojan? Grad. Trojan, yeah, I'm alone. Yes. Yes. What is it? It's like AU forever or something? AU forever. Um, yeah. So he's super excited about that. And then I have a little girl. Her name is Eden and she's 10. We have like a hundred years of parenting left before we're empty nesters. Um, and she is going to be going in fifth grade and um, she's pretty amazing. She can absolutely hold her own with her two brothers. So um, and I'm a small business owner. I have been a small business owner since 2012. I have the honor to own Peculiar and it is a full service marketing agency here in the upstate of South Carolina. We are in the cutest little town in the south. It's called Fountain Inn um, and have um, actually we double because we have a co-work space there. It is COVID like there's nobody in it right now just so everyone knows. Uh, we are absolutely practicing all of the, um, the restrictions that have been put out. So we have a co-work space. Hopefully it will be populated again sometime in the future. Um, but um, Peculiar is a full service marketing agency. And so we are in Fountain Inn and we actually have a full studio 
uh, that we've built there so we can do music, video, commercials, podcast, all the things. Um, and then I just do a lot of uh, volunteer work um, here locally uh, with my church. Um, I actually volunteer and I'm on the board with an agency called Switch um, that is fighting human trafficking in the upstate. And that's been an honor. I've been doing that for the last couple of years. So I stay pretty busy. Oh, it sounds like it. My basketball career. So yes. prepare yourself because my basketball career spans one year, my freshman year of high school, and my points that I scored were four, four, and I got one foul, um, which actually brought everyone to their feet because I was super nice. And when I fouled the girl, I actually stopped mid court and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> um, and then I like turned and ran down the court or whatever it was that I did. But um, I mean, the reason I made the team was because I hustled and um, that's my basketball career. And it's strong, it's strong. <laughs> but, but you know, I, did, I got, I mean, I know how to practice like a straight shot. Yeah. I, did, I got the shot down, play with good my form. boys. Um, I'm not good at all. Not good at all, <laughs> to be honest. But, but, but I'm glad you say that, too. And people who are listening right now are like, what? Why is she on the podcast right now? Well, here's why. Because <laughs> you, you, one, you are so busy. Your wife, your mother, you play the game, that, which is the prerequisite. You know about the game of basketball. But like you said, you hustle. And there's no way you are where you are right now if you don't hustle. So could you tell me or tell us more about your work experience, and specifically in 2007, because I know 2007 was a pretty interesting and roller coaster year for you in terms of your profession. Could you fill us in on your career starting from that year? Yeah, so um, I had the, the privilege of being able to stay home um, for the first couple of years. My boys were born in 2000 and 2002. So I was a stay-at-home mom, and that was super fulfilling for sure, but that was just not enough for me. I needed to be, um, to do more, um, and so I was able, I was working part-time, and in 2007, my husband, who is the serial entrepreneur in the family, he already had started Peculiar. It was called Peculiar Productions and started it in 1998. So in 2007, I was working with a company, um, helping at doing staffing and got a call to go into my boss's office where they promptly fired me. Was the worst. Um, I was so shocked. I was working with a staffing company. It was inside of a global organization and they were wanting to do commercial staffing. And so they had brought me in specifically to help grow the commercial division and it was not growing at the rate that they wanted it to grow. So instead of continuing to put resources into it, they just exnated all together, which I can understand from a business point of view, but from like a personal value point of view, that was like, the worst. So um, I was terminated. Uh, they were like, you can work the rest of the day or you can go ahead and leave. Who's going to, I don't know anybody that would have stayed. Um, I was so quiet when I say that I walked out of that room and I left uh, without saying a word to anyone, nobody, um, that a couple of my colleagues called me that I'd been working with like two days later and they were like, are you on vacation? 
where are you? We didn't even know. And I was like, no, I got fired. Um, wow. They had no idea because I was like a little, I was so sneaky quiet. I just got out of there. I was heartbroken. Um, but what that did is that set me up so that I could enter and I, Tim needed my help, my husband, and I was able to start with Peculiar. So in 2007, I started with Peculiar, um, doing a lot of account management, but then also coming in and, and creating things that we didn't have. One of the first things I did is I created an employee handbook. Um, and so we didn't have some of that stuff being a small business and was able to get involved in that and really just started learning the ropes. Uh, I was an education major in college and um, had no experience in marketing. The only thing that I enjoyed is I knew that I enjoyed being creative. I knew I enjoyed making things, felt like I had a pretty decent eye for color and, and things of that nature, but I had never done anything like that. Um, that would have been directly associated with marketing a brand, creating a brand, nothing like that. So that was where my journey started with Peculiar was in 2007, after I was fired from another job. So the hustle switched. It, it did, and you, okay, so knowing what you know now from your CEO hat versus where you were in 2007, where you were organizing, you were helping with employee handbooks, you were shredding 600 pound paper manuals. Like, <laughs> tell yeah. me, what, is, what did that look like in the transition from administrative work, account specialist work to CEO work? And how important is the administrative side of things that we sometimes overlook? Yeah, you know, I think that we as people, grow most when we're going through all of those all of the things that we that lead us to where we're supposed to be a lot of times we want to hurry that journey along and so we'll miss those details like we miss the fine tuning that you get i know how to make a postcard I know what it takes to build a website. I know what you need to do for a social media campaign. Like all of those things that I learned when it comes to administrative and processes and practical things that I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I would not have been able to put on the hat of CEO because I still have to do that stuff. So when you're a CEO of a small business, you don't magically not do any of the practical day-to-day -day stuff, you actually add more to your plate than what you had before. So when you become the CEO, you then become the visionary and you become a lot of times the momentum behind the vision and you become the fact checker and you have to still do payroll and you still do accounts payable and you still do accounts receivable and somewhere in there you have to still have time to write content for your website and for your social media posts. And, and so learning how to do all of those things helped me tremendously when in 2012, my husband came into my office, slid because he had started another small business and the transition of me becoming CEO was literally this. It was a piece of paper. He was like, Hey, you get the opportunity to do this. And I was like, cool, because I knew he was pursuing his dream. And I had no idea what I signed my name to when I signed a piece of paper that said that I would become the owner of Peculiar. I just knew that I was supporting my husband. Now I know that some of you are gonna be like, that is not a lot of wisdom. And it wasn't as I look back on it, but 
it was what my journey was. And so I finally, when I got to 2017, is when honestly I realized I'm not just the account manager anymore for this stuff. I'm not just the HR person. I actually now take on the responsibility of being the driver of what this company is going to look like and what we're going to do. And I don't know what that looks like. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And there's so much that we can go into with that because you, you're in a pretty competitive landscape. And I like the idea of, yeah, in basketball, you competed the four points, the one foul. But right now, I'd be willing to bet that your competitiveness looks a little bit different than what it did back then as a freshman in high school, being that you're in a, a landscape, especially in downtown Greenville, where there are other agencies who were, who were in closer proximity. How do you compete in that landscape, in this industry, and differentiate yourself from the other uh, providers? Yeah. Um, you know, that was actually one of the reasons that we made the decision a year ago to remove ourselves from downtown Greenville. When we opened the office and we started, it was back in like 2002, I think it was that Tim got the space in Greenville and, um, and opened up the office there and there was no one. I mean, you had the larger companies that were there, but not a lot of these smaller companies that began popping up about five years ago. Um, and then felt like they just continue to pop up about every 45 minutes um, when here in our area. And I'm sure that may be what it looks like because the, the process of what we do has gotten simpler when it comes to access to platforms and, um, and um, programs that actually help you build and design things. People have greater access to that than what they used to. Uh, and the entrepreneur world is really kind of trendy right now, I think. It's not, and I'm not negating the importance of entrepreneurs. I believe that our country is, our backbone of our country are small businesses, truly. But it is a very difficult thing once you take it on. And to be able to stay in a market and stay competitive in what it is that you're doing requires you to be able to kind of go with the flow and then also be able to know when it is that you need to pivot what you've been doing and maybe turn that into something different. So for us, like I said, that was a big part of that was picking ourselves up from, um, I think there's a book that's called like the blue ocean versus the red ocean. And the blue ocean is where all the fish are swimming in it. So we were really a part of that blue ocean and we were like, we can't stay here. We need to remove ourselves from the blue ocean and go to where there's no fish swimming in this ocean. So, we may have moved to a smaller area, um, but there's no, okay, I hope nobody hears this. There's no other marketing agencies in Fountain um, or Simpsonville or Malden. And if you are in the upstate, you know that those areas are pretty saturated with some great opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the things that we did that I believe is going to keep us competitive. And it was, um, it happened really quickly. We've already formed great relationships with the chamber and companies that are in uh, the Fountain Inn chamber and companies that are in the Fountain Inn area and just getting involved and, and helping. Um, you know, one of the things also that I think plays into that is that you always give value 
um, and you go above and beyond when you are giving value. So we, I believe, have created um, with Peculiar a lot of um, what I like to call like raving fans. And um, it's because we have this model of going above and beyond. So if someone asks for a brand, then one of the things that we do is we don't just give you a logo. Um, and this is just an example, but with us, you are gonna get a logo, you're gonna get a logo in all the formats. So you need it for web, you need it for print, but then we're also gonna give you a brand standards guide so that if you decide you wanna advertise or if you want to create a commercial or you wanna build a website, you're gonna have those parameters around what you have built, what you've paid us to make, so that it's gonna be, it's gonna keep its integrity and people are gonna honor um, that mark that represents what your company is. Um, so moving ourselves, I think being able to pivot when it came time to pivot, um, and then also adding value that is above and beyond what our clients need, and even adding value to people who aren't our clients. Um, we have a lot of opportunity for people in Fountain Inn, people just walk in your office, uh, which is really cool because we never know, before COVID, we never knew who was gonna walk in on the given day. It changed a little bit once all of this started. But people would walk in and just, hey, we own this or we do this, what would you recommend? Or emails from people asking questions. And I don't have a problem sharing my knowledge. Um, I think that's what it's for. We share our experiences, we share our knowledge. Um, I'm sure that's what a lot of your, um, your trainers do. I mean, that's what they're doing on a daily basis. They're sharing what it is that, um, that they've learned, their experience and their wisdom so that they can better the guys and the girls that they're helping to train. Um, and I think that helps to keep you distinct. I think that helps you to stand out because you do that consistently and that's what's gonna stay. And that's another part of it is just being consistent in what it is that you do. I like that. And so with the consistency in what we do, what would you say is the, and I'm not specifically just for the basketball training space, but what would you say is something that should take precedence, should be top of mind? Should we be focusing more so on uh, branding and doing producing content like this on social media? Should we be working on email communication, advertising? What would you say from a, CEO standpoint of someone who consults and helps other businesses with their marketing, what is the biggest gap that a lot of small entrepreneurs, the startups that you work with are missing out on? Gosh, you know, a lot of it is, pro I would think is probably going to be the social media part of it. Um, because it can feel burdensome. And I think I said that word right. And, but it can feel weighty. And so if you, and if you, if something feels weighty, then a lot of times you're not going to do it. So instead of kind of digging in and doing the hard work of writing a post, um, you know, Twitter, I think it's 140 characters or maybe it's 280. Um, but instead of like digging in and doing that stuff, we'll just back away from it. And we just, you know what, we'll, we'll do that tomorrow. Um, or I'll do that next week or something i'm going to work on this and we make that thing more important than what truly we need to do which is the social media part of it um so i would say that's probably what i can i hear fairly consistently from people is that i don't have time 
I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. Um, and when you break it down, I think it becomes a lot simpler and a lot easier to eat. Um, you know, you eat, what is it? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. So if social media is like an elephant, then one bite at a time. Um, and so some pointers that I can give you that I would recommend for that would be, don't put a lot of demand on yourself to create something every single day. So if you're, and, well, let me, let me back up before I say that. Choose one platform, one platform. Don't try and do Facebook. If you're starting off, if, if you're new to the social media world, um, don't think that you need to tackle Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok and all the things all at once, LinkedIn. Choose one platform and do that well for three months. And then when you stay, begin, when you develop a consistent habit of doing that one platform, you just take what it is that you put into play there and you migrate it to your next platform. Um, say for instance, you can break it down and say, you're, you don't wanna do five days a week posting. Maybe you start with three. So Tuesdays and Thursdays are always the best day to post when it comes to social media. I think Wednesday is the third best day. So you could do Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And the best times on, you, and you can find all of this information on Google. It's all out there. Um, but you can find it all on the web. And you pick a time that you're gonna post and you can, in, you can add, make each of those days even a theme. So maybe Tuesday you're gonna post about your brand and what it is that's this special about your brand. Um, and then Wednesday, you're going to do a wacky Wednesday post or a, or a Wednesdays are awesome post or something like that. And then Thursday, you do something that is specific for Thursday. And you do that every single week. And it makes it simpler for you to write the post every single week um, when you do it. And then again, so you just, you're being consistent. You want your, your community to know that you're going to show up every single week like what you've been doing and then you just take all of that and then you migrate that to the next channel or the next platform that you want to build um, and that's the other thing look at your demographic look at your audience uh, you'll know once you kind of dig into those numbers who you need to be targeting and then once you know who you need to target you're going to know which social media channel that you should start with I like that. I appreciate the, the tactical advice. So question for you, because we both, I'm going to the program now and you mentioned the Chamber of Commerce uh, in this podcast episode. And for the trainers listening or any professional listening, I think the Chamber is a resource that a lot of us don't utilize. We don't uh, take advantage of as much as we should. So yeah. for you, both of us going through the Minority Business Accelerator, and our chamber is one of six in the, the country that has this program. We learned so much about marketing, about finances. Could you talk about both of those and how they work together? Because for me right now, operations is important, but marketing and finances are those two worlds that I'm kind of living in. And I just kind of want you to elaborate on how those two intertwine and what you've learned about those two areas of, of business in general. Yeah. So. Um I can certainly speak to those just from my point of view. Um, marketing, marketing is what you're going to do that's going to bring awareness. It's going to let people know that you're there. And 
the way that we do it and we encourage people to do it is you want it to be a bit of an ecosystem. So if you look at all of the different things that you can use for your marketing, your social media, you need a website. Um, if you have print products that you're doing, if you're advertising, you want all of those things to be this kind of this thriving ecosystem that they all point and they connect to each other. So if you are building a website, but you have a brand, then which you do need, then you obviously want to incorporate your brand into that website. So what does that mean from a practical point of view? Look at your logo, you can do your colors, you can include different colors on the pages, the headers, things like that. So there's practical ways that you can bring your marketing into this ecosystem with your social media, same thing. You always want to use your logo, use your color. If there's a specific font that you've chosen that works with your brand, use that font. Um, it's one of those kind of subconscious things. People don't realize that they recognize things through these um, subconscious things that we do, but it's all intentional. So it would be interesting to see if Target or another well-known brand were to use a different font or a different color, people kind of like migrate to that really quick. They're like, I know something's different here, but I don't know what it is. Um, so it's, it's very important at least for us, that is something that is important um, to maintain that consistency just because it continues to build trust um, with your audience when they see something consistent like that. And then as you grow those avenues, it naturally will begin to feed your finances because as you stay consistent to what you do and, and your brand, you're consistent with your brand and your messaging and you're clear on your messaging, um, then people will begin to, it's going to attract. And so when you attract people, you, then you're going to be able to see um, your finances will be affected by that. We were talking before we got on camera just about the finance portion, and I will be honest, that is one of the areas that I am growing in still. Um, I still, when I went through the MBA, there were terms when it came to the financial aspect of small business that I was like, eh, I've never heard that before. Um, and so there's been a lot of growing that I've done in that area, and there's still so much growing that I can do um, in that area, but it is, your finances will also, you can look at them and you can look at your numbers and you'll be able to glean information from your numbers. Um, that was another one of the things that was really eye-opening for me when we went through that portion of the MBA was exactly what it is that you can understand and the information that you can glean from the numbers that you have in your finances. Um, so I hope that, does that answer the question? It does. And like what I heard you say is, you know, the marketing, especially if you're consistent with what you're posting, your font and side note, I like that you said that because when I use services like an Upwork or a Fiverr or an agency, it helps to be more specific and have those guidelines and to be as detailed as possible because right. all this miscommunication, it costs money and it costs time. And right. you're right. If I have had so many impressions of Target or any kind of brand and I see a difference, it's automatically noticeable. It goes from being subconscious to conscious. So I can imagine what other messages do that for our customers that we don't recognize if we're not consistent with. So right. it makes right. those small things kind of matter a lot more. It's, it, yeah, it's just that it, 
things you don't think about, but it actually is very important. So question, what, what kind of books, do you read many books on marketing or you, are you keen on different kind of articles? What do you do to learn more about your craft or enhance your craft? Yeah. So I, um, I'm in a season right now where personally I'm working on myself when it comes to development. Um, and so my books that I read have been more in that kind of area for the last year or so. Um, I will say that the uh, one book that I have read um, and I'm actually reading on marketing is called Story Brand. And I don't know if you've heard of it. You may have. I kind like of third person that's like said something about that book in the last week. Like, yeah. okay. you know what that means, right? When you have yes. three people that are the same, you hear the same thing. That means that some people say it's the universe. Some people say it's God, but there's a very clear message that's being sent to you. Right. He's in the mist somewhere, right? <laughs> so it is a, it is a, um, a model of communication that we actually bought into this. We did, and I don't mean we physically bought into it, but we aligned ourselves under this idea of story brand about five years ago. Uh, Tim went through the story brand um, workshops and learned it. And it is, it is, um, it will change the way that you do your branding. It will change the way that you do your messaging. It is all about being clear um, and being concise with your messaging. Uh, it usually takes something that can be like super big and, and really has a lot of words and will condense it to something that's so small that you're like, there is absolutely no way that that's going to, that that's going to resonate with people. And it does. Um, so yeah, you need to read that book. It's so good. So good. I want to, and again, another trainer mentioned it to me and some, another trainer mentioned it to him. And my understanding of the book is for me on a personal branding side, I usually post about things that are going on in my life, but story branding sounds like it's just basically saying you're not the hero or the, the, the character in your story anymore. You're telling your customer story. You're putting them in that spot, but that's, that's the me not reading the book, the super high spark notes portion of what I gathered from story branding, but it's been mentioned enough to where I do need to read it and check it out. <laughs> you're right. It's so good. It is. Like I say, I cannot, I cannot second that enough. You need to read it. It definitely, and that's when it, so there's a seven part framework and um, it makes the, you the guide and your client is the hero and it walks you through um, what that looks like. And then how can you translate that information that you've learned into every aspect of your marketing? Um, it's, it's phenomenal. So cool. The author's name is Donald Miller and um, you can go check out his website. It's, I think it's just like www.storybrand.com. Um, it's awesome. Thank so you I've for read that. that. Say that again. I was going to say that's the book I've read on marketing, but I've, like okay. I say, I've been in this kind of personal development phase for the last year, year and a half and have done more books on that than I have. Um, but yeah, I love, I love to read. Okay. Solid transition. I, 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 I figured, and I shouldn't have assumed, but since you're, in, you studied to become an educator, I was curious to know if you, uh, in your undergrad, I was curious to know if you still read pretty often, but following that transition of the personal development 
phase you've been in the last year and a half, you said something that I saw and I would like for you to elaborate on to kind of expound upon and how it looks in your daily life up to this point. Okay. So you said failure is inevitable, but it doesn't have to be defining. You make that decision. Growth and new opportunities are scary. Just do it scared. What is something you've had to do recently that you've been scared to do and how do you live that quote out? Yeah, so that was actually something I learned that when I went through the MBA. And um, for me, one of the scariest things in the MBA was when we had to do our presentation at the end, you have to do a 15 minute presentation. And it wasn't that I hadn't spoken, I've actually had spoken for years and years um, in my church and in other different uh, venues like that. So it wasn't my first time standing in front of a group of people but it was my first time standing in front of a group of business people. And so it was a totally different experience for me. And I remember um, my voice, to me, all I heard my voice do, it, it felt like it shook the whole time. Um, but I knew that I was gonna have to do that and I just didn't care. I was like, I'm gonna do this afraid. And when I began to kind of realize that that was the way that I had done a lot of stuff learning about the business and um and the things that the the conversations that i had to have with clients um hard conversations that i have with clients um but then really more about me it became more about me um in that i was allowing fear to dictate my path forward and that became not okay and I was missing stuff. Um, you know, maybe it was a get together with a group of girls that I didn't know them well. And so I would, I would cloak it in something that sounded good. Like, Oh, I need to stay home with my family tonight or, um, work. I worked really hard and I'm just exhausted tonight, but there were opportunities that I was missing. And I straight up when I took a hard look at it, it was because I was afraid of, being transparent, of putting myself out there, of, you know, being the only person in the room that didn't know anybody else. Um, and that just got to the point where it just wasn't okay. It just wasn't okay. And then when I realized that we actually learn more in failure than we do in success, then it was like, well, hot dog. I'm going to like, I'm so good at failure. Like I mess up stuff all the time. So why I will start looking at what I'm learning as opposed to the fact that I failed. And when I kind of made that pivot of, okay, I totally didn't do this right. I didn't say the right thing. I didn't do the right thing. Um, but what did I learn from it so that I don't make that mistake again? That was like life changing for me. It was such a big, it was a, a watershed moment in my life. Um, and it stinks because it came like when I was like 45-ish or so, as opposed to where I would have loved to have grabbed a hold of that, which was like, you know, 15. Um, but I learned it. I learned it. And so I really have, I actually have that on um, a, a sign in my home. Um, and it says, it says, life is about doing things scared and it's got the hashtag don't play small so um I, it's important 
to me for my children to know that things are scary, but I'm still going to do them um, because that's what they're going to have to do. And it's up to me that I want them to see that example from me. They see that example from my husband. Um, and I don't want them to be afraid to do hard things because you're going to miss out on the beauty of life if you are afraid to do hard things. Um, and if you're afraid to fail, you're just going to miss out on the beauty of life because fail in failure is where we learn. So I'm all about failing now. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I do it a lot better now than what I used to do. Um, I like that. Amy, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom coming onto the podcast and just the marketing tips you gave the audience here. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? No, you know, I really appreciate you um, allowing me to come on. I've enjoyed it. Um, I hope that it was some value, some nuggets of wisdom uh, just from my life and the things that I've been through um, that can help your audience. Um, if anyone needs me to come help, like with free throws or how to shoot straight, I'm your girl. <laughs> I'm happy to travel. <laughs> Um, oh, fun. yeah so it's it's been my honor i really appreciate it um and you can always learn more about peculiar we do have a website um it's just peculiar p-e-c-u-l-i-a-r dot c-o it's just dot c-o um and we have instagram and facebook um to learn about the company and then i'm on instagram i think it's the amy peck just amy peck p-e-c um instead of my hopeful last name. But yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Mike, and I really appreciate it. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode, and I will catch you on the next one.